There'd be something on the plate. Mr. Metz comes in here with a fistful of newspaper clippings and, um, and, a, bug <laughs> a, in his, and a bug in his craw. <laughs> and uh, what's up today? You had something you wanted to, you wanted to address today. Well, yeah, there, you know, both uh, yourself and I noticed lawyer Gordon Cudmore had articles in the free press in the past week or so, um, basically referring to the, the spate of animal cruelty acts we've had recently and yeah. what, what we could do about it as a society. And I, and I get the impression from reading both of the articles that we're entertaining the thought of the concept of animal rights and that to protect animals what we need to do is pass laws that give them rights or to be more precise I guess to no longer regard animals as property. Mm -hmm. um, personally I think this is the wrong approach. Okay. I think the issue, and while I sympathize with, with, with the crime, and, and you know, not with the crime, but with what, what the issue of the crime is and, and everything else, I don't think we're going in the right direction when we, uh, when we say that we want to treat animals in a special category or classification. Because fundamentally, animals don't have rights. They just don't have them. Because rights are, are a uniquely human concept that have to do with, first of all, you have to be able to accept responsibilities. They're based on a moral precept, and if you have rights, you have to have an agency that can defend those rights for you. But if it, but uh, if it, no, I want to stop you right there, because mm -hmm. I already disagree with you. Sure. Um, there's no such thing in an absolute sense as a right. You can say to me, I have the right to such and such. If I'm bigger and stronger and can prevent you from doing that, then that abstract concept of a right is totally meaningless. It does not exist. It doesn't mean that the concept doesn't exist. It means that the person who's using force to violate your rights, which is what happens then, it's not that the right doesn't go away. No, all I'm you're just, saying is that your right is no, being no, violated. No, not at all. Because under, under every no. philosophical system, you've got the concept of anything from natural rights to God-given rights. I mean, these are all... No, but I can, in a practical... Never mind philosophy. Let's talk practicality. I can say to you, Bob, I have a right to fly. Unfortunately, gravity prevents me from doing so, so gravity is impeding or impinging upon my right. But I'm telling you, right now, I have as much right to fly as you have for the rights you think you have. Well, you can think that, but that doesn't make it so. Well, and I can say uh, the this, same uh, thing to you. Well, you can, but you have to state your case and make it, make it stick. All right, for, my, for example. My, oh, no, I'll do okay. that. I'll attempt to do that. The moral precept here is, I think, mm -hmm. that I think that we have no right to abuse animals unnecessarily. I agree. All right. I think there's a moral precept there. And I think that we have the ability... Jump in any time, John. We have the ability within our society, the way our society is structured, to create a mechanism to afford animals that protection. The term, maybe we shouldn't call it animal rights, but we certainly do have the ability to create a construct, a legal construct, that would afford animals. It's not going to protect them from anything. I mean, it, you know, your rights don't protect you from someone who's bigger, stronger, meaner, nastier. They, they can, you know, they can interfere with your rights. To, to my mind, and I think to Gordy Cudmore's as well, the idea was that perhaps by, and, and again, maybe the terminology is wrong, but by defining and saying, you know, these are some things that, that you can't do. We've tried, we've tried to be nice. We've tried to presume that everybody out there is going to be responsible and act like a decent humane individual but there's enough of you not doing that that we're going to have to take another step and the other step is going to be we're going to say well these are some things that you simply cannot do anymore and expect 
to get a slap on the wrist. We're not going to give you a slap on the wrist. We're going to knock you off your feet. But what's, what's, what's interesting for me, and I haven't given a lot of thought to, uh, to this whole area, but uh, it's interesting to me in the sense that uh, we have to distinguish between pet-type animals versus farm animals, for instance, and you look about the par at the parallels between the way we treat humans and the way we treat animals. Um, for instance, uh, we, we kill a lot of animals for our own use, mm -hmm. uh, and that's not considered to be cruel, uh, I presume on the because they do it in a way I don't know. But. Well, no, I would just be, I think there are people, uh, you can make the case that in some cases it is cruel. And I don't, I personally, although I'm not ready to legislate vegetarianism, but personally I think that's wrong too. I, I think if you're going to make use of that animal and the animal has a, uh, you know, the animal's life experience is not torture or torment. And at the end of that life experience, the animal is harvested. I mean, that's consistent with ethical and philosophical yes. and historical But those are all principles. different than the way we would treat a person, though. When you talk about whether animals should have rights, if an animal had a right, the fundamental right that people have is a right not to be killed. You know, and that's the thing we take most seriously, is the most cruel thing you can do to a person is to kill them, or at least it's most serious in terms of the law. And yet, we have this paradox where, on the one hand, we have animals that we want to protect and that we want to treat as members of our family. But on the other hand, we have a lot of animals that we kill, even though, realistically, we don't have to anymore. There may have been a time when we needed to survive. But, uh, but we like meat, we like leather, so we still kill a lot of animals. And it must be a bit of a brain-bender to try and figure out how do we... How, how are we kind to some animals but distinguish other animals and say it's okay to kill those ones? I'm struck as well by even, even our, our um, pets. Uh, it's a convention that when pets get old and sick, we kill them. You know, we have them put down because it's the kindest thing to do. And yet if you applied that analogy to humans, you know, people would be appalled saying euthanasia, this is a terrible well, thing. Well, some people some would be people. appalled. Some yeah. people aren't appalled at all. Yeah, but, but again, it's interesting. That there are these dramatic differences in the way that we well, see them. I think the issue is you don't have an absolute right to not be killed. What, you, what we have in law and in moral practice is a, is a right not to be killed by other people on purpose. Mm -hmm. But the okay. pet doesn't have the choice. Somebody can kill you by accident and escape... Uh, you know, legal ramifications and moral ones, really. Um, I mean, you could, be, you could be killed in a tornado or a storm or anything like that, or things that we call acts of God. But when it comes to animals, we're talking about a human society to animal relationship. And I think that in human society, animals are property because that's their protection. Um, when you own property, you have a responsibility to that property, and it depends upon the nature of the property what that responsibility is. That, but again, you're back and to the situation where this is, has been the presumption that most of the folks are going to be good upstanding citizens that are going to... Well, that's the way our law works. And are we gonna, presume that they are. But and they're not. Un but, well, until somebody proves himself to be otherwise, I don't think putting all these barriers in place and talking about licensing uh, people and pet owners is, is going to solve an issue at all. I think it's going to make it tougher on the whole animal world in that sense. Why? Well, on ownership defines responsibility. Nah, That's what property is. When, when, you, when you say that cat or that Come on dog. back to the real world, Bob. Abstract. Jim, you just bought a dog, right? Yes, yes. You own it. It's your property. That mm -hmm. means that you are the person, mm -hmm. not me, not Jeff, not mm -hmm. your ne next door neighbor, mm -hmm. who has a relationship with that dog that yes. is 
the ownership relationship, yes. and you can't change that. That's the way no, metaphysics cases, is, reality is that is way. the opposite of responsibility. If you own something, you don't have to uh, do anything. You, you can do, treat it any way you want. If no, you have you a house, can't. you can tear it down if you want sure, to. You can, you can well, let you something can bad happen to it somebody else because of your property. You can drive your car into the ground. You can, you, know, yeah. you, can, you can let your furnace break down. You can let your roof go bad in your house. You can wear threadbare clothes because you own them. Well, legally, you really can't. You can on your own property if you're not using it for those things. And you have a responsibility to it, not just in the sense that you that if you go crazy and you want to burn your house down and have fun that you can't do that legally that's not what i'm talking about no, but you can't do that legally well, as, as it happens out in the country you might be able to no. but not not in the city certainly and that's that's part of the issue is that you have a responsibility to others with your property um but you can't take your car in disrepair and drive it on the road legally no but you, no, yes you can yes uh, you can to a point to a point where it becomes unsafe for other individuals, but there's nothing to prevent sure you. From, there's nothing to prevent you from going working. out and buying a new fifty thousand dollar car and kicking the door in every morning and scraping the paint off and, and punching holes in it with a drill if you felt like it. As long as it meets the safety, you can do that. And I think Jeff's absolutely right. That's what ownership is all about. Up to a point in our society, you own it. You don't have a responsibility to maintain it or look after it, other than a moral, a moral or perhaps an intellectual one, saying I don't want to lose the value of this. Exactly. Of this, of this and that's, that's the basis of but why But you don't have to do that. Well, no, what you're saying is that you and I in society aren't going to go and force you to do it. That's what you're saying. You do have to do it if you want to maintain the value of that property. Yeah, and if that you, property uh, has any meaning to you. No, if it's junk, no, it doesn't matter. There's no compulsion to do or no, no compunction to do that. Though You don't have to. It, maybe you don't care about the value of it. Maybe you've got lots of money and it doesn't that's right, matter. But you'll pay price. What's the point of owning it if you can't do what you want with it? But what, one of the things that strikes me about uh, your ownership analogy, and that is that uh, there may be an evolution that happens in the sense that there was a time not that long ago when children were considered as property. Uh, and and women, for that And matter. women, that's right, were, were property uh, as recently as the 1800s. And the same uh, arguments were made then as you're making now. They have no inherent rights. But children and women are human beings, Jim. They're not animals. Well, they animals, weren't then. They weren't some, then. Well, you would argue there's no difference between human beings and animals. And I know this is an issue well, that some people are extremely passionate about, and there are lots of people who would say, we're all just mammals. Um, well, that's true. You know, if we look at what, 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 what are the same things between people and animals, people and animals share feelings. They share perceptions, affection, fear. Even intelligence, and I would even say communication. Mm -hmm. uh, these things are things that at least the higher animals, well, even the lower ones, we just don't know how they communicate, yeah. but they obviously do. We share these things. These are not the things that make us human. Mm -hmm. These are the things that make us very physical and yeah. concrete and in the real world. Yeah. The things that, that separate humanity from that and rises humanity above it is the very thing we're talking about, concepts like rights. Um, you know, I've, I heard the term, you hear it a lot in science fiction, sentient life. Mm -hmm. um, beings who are self-aware, beings who are rational, who operate on codes of morality, who, um, who uh, go beyond the mere physical survival. They, like, we can extend ourselves into space, although it all feeds our survival, mm -hmm. but we, we don't have to go into space to, quote, exist. Mm -hmm. you know, all we, and this is where a, a, a big issue is between almost socialism and capitalism. Socialism believes that we, we just have to stay at the subsistence, everybody has to exist level. Capitalism says we can shoot, reach, the stars. reach the stars, literally. So these are the things that apply to human beings. And if we start saying that these same values apply to animals, we're not elevating animals at all. We're, we're diminishing the status of human beings. Uh, Quite a statement from Robert Matz, one of our guests today on Left, Right, and Center. Jeff Schlemmer's here as well, and we invite you, as we always do, the lines are open at 643-1290, star 1290 on the Cantel. 
If you want to be part of the discussion, pick up the telephone and join us here on 1290 CJBK. Right in center, Schlemmer and Matz on 1290 CJBK talking about animals today and whether or not they have rights. All right, Bob, I want to come back at you a little bit. Sure. Maybe, maybe I don't disagree with you. Maybe the, the crux of the problem here is not so much that animals need because they do have some rights now under the law, in, in even in... Well, know, the, I would they, say they, they have, have status as property. Yeah, they are, but they are a special type of property, yes, though. Yes, absolutely. There is, there is no restriction on you taking your favorite chair out in the lawn and cutting it into tiny wee pieces, but you can't do that with your dog. Exactly. Okay? So they do have special status. Maybe the issue here is that we need to define that status more rather than talk about rights for animals. Well, would you be comfortable with that? I, I would say the issue is not what rights or status animals may have, but more what rights... and. That people don't have. You don't have a right to be cruel to an animal. I think the issue here is not whether you can kill the animal or not if you're a farmer and harvesting your animals. The issue is basically cruelty and how you're treating mm -hmm. that animal while it is alive. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anyone has a right to that. You can't, you, you cannot demonstrate either morally or ethically or even on purely pragmatic basis what benefit you would derive other than you know, I think somebody who gets joy out of out of harming other animals is sick himself yes. or herself or yeah. whatever. And that that I don't know that jail sentences and buying getting everybody else to buy licenses is going to address these kinds of individuals. If anything, I think this is a danger sign. But let me tell you, let me tell you about the licensing though, where I come from in the licensing, because maybe maybe again we're operating on a different wavelength. My proposal, my suggestion that people and, and in fact many of the animal care and control places are now I understand giving quite uh, uh, quite extensive interviews and you do have to meet some tests and so on and so on before they will allow you to to adopt an animal my concern isn't that if we had some laws like this you're going to stop a guy from throwing a stolen dog out the window of his pickup truck obviously that's not this isn't going to happen it's kind of like gun control in that sense my concern is perhaps more broad-based, and about the kind of abuse that is more subtle than that the kind of abuse that sees people leaving dogs for example out 24 hours a day in all weathers. The kind of abuse, and I spoke about this last week, of a neighbor of ours that went away on a long weekend in the summertime and left the dog outside. With Jim, no, 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 let me we finish. have laws against negligence. Nah, we don't. Now, the thing is, nah. the issue is, how are you going to enforce them? But you, well, it, That's the whole what issue. I'm saying is, if that, that individual next door to me had had to go through everything I had to go through to get the dog, I'll bet you dollars to donuts she wouldn't have bothered. Maybe, and I'll also maybe not. Be, I'll also bet you dollars to donuts that she didn't pay more than 10 bucks for that dog. Well, I'll, I'll tell you the opposite scenario. I can tell you that if I had to go through that, that uh, process to, to get the pets that I've owned in my life, I probably would never have bothered owning them. Most of the pets I got either wandered into the house or uh, bought in a pet shop for two bucks or something like that, and they had wonderful lives, lived to old age, and were never mistreated. Nice for them. So, so nice for them. But which, Don't make it more difficult for mostly people who I think are, are of, of, of good goodwill, and 99% of people are, mm -hmm. and why make it difficult for them to do something nice for the animal? Because I don't think 99% of people, I don't think it's a goodwill issue with animals. I think there's probably 50% of them well, out there who have pets who, when they got the pet, had no understanding of what they were doing, what they were committing themselves to, never bothered to learn what's going on, and have lives, that, their own lives, the pleasure is diminished because of the problems with the pet and certainly the pleasure of the pet's life is diminished. Those are the people that I want to say to, wait a minute, why, you know, you know, aren't you, you the guy that's against gun registration? Isn't that just a tax to you? That's what I'm thinking this is. You're, you're advocating a tax for pet owners because that's all it's going to do. To me, it doesn't matter whether you own an animal or not. You still don't have a right to be cruel to it. And the same legal sanctions should be put against you 
if if you kick some the neighbor's animal, but what, but, but which harm, is, doesn't which matter is, whether you own it or not, and whether you have a license easier, or not. Which is easier to try to discourage poor owners from setting out on the on the on the journey of ownership in the first place, or dragging them through the courts on a regular basis? Well, that basis. process, I think, of discouraging poor owners will also discourage a lot of good owners, and it'll dis discourage more good owners well, than, than poor ones. Well, let me ones. put it to you this way. So if that's the price you want to pay, fine. Let me put it to you I this way. The it. stats say, and I don't have Canada, the stats read, Paul Harvey said the other day, was it 40,000 cats and dogs a day being put down in the United States? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are w lots of animals out there, and if those wonderful, compassionate pet owners that you talk about decline to take the animals in, uh, one thing that's going to happen is they're not going to breed as often because a lot of those wonderful, compassionate people do still allow their animals to breed. They let that cat stroll in off the street and feed little kitty and give her some food, and kitty comes home pregnant. Oh, isn't that cute? Kitty will have kittens now. I mean, I don't think in the long, long run that we'd necessarily be ill-served by having fewer people with pet animals if it meant that all of those quasi-pet animals that don't have homes... If we got to the point where they were not being procreated, yeah, I guess part of it maybe though maybe that there are ways of of uh, limiting people from ownership other than money, for instance. I don't know. Maybe it should be a matter of a course or something like well, that. Well, I don't think. I don't, there, to me, I don't, yeah, I don't. I don't think money should enter it at all. I don't think that. Uh, the and the money concern is that you don't want to exclude pets from from people who, on the basis that they can't afford a thousand bucks to go out and buy a, a purebred animal. Exactly. But there's a big difference between uh, neglect, which you're talking about, versus uh, uh, overt misconduct. In fact, the one story that was in the paper recently, I believe the dog was actually stolen yes. uh, and then taken out and thrown from a, a vehicle. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and in that case, obviously, licensing or any of those things isn't going to affect somebody who goes out and That's steals right. somebody else's That's pet. Right. Uh, and and the, then it becomes a question of what can you do to discourage somebody like that? You know, making it a much, much more serious penalty, is that going to discourage somebody? Or, or again, is it the wacko factor? Like, I just can't conceive of somebody who would actually go out and go out of their way to steal an animal just so they could hurt it. I don't understand but they that. might that they might not have stolen it just to hurt it. They might they might have taken the animal kind of a lark, yada yada yada, gonna steal this dog, ho ho ho, dog in the car, dog doesn't know the people, dog bites the guy, guy opens window, throws dog out. Maybe one of, one of the things that you were mentioning earlier off the air was the question of whether values have changed or not. And, and one of the areas where I think that they've changed somewhat is that when I was growing up, it was, you know, it was the thing that all little boys did. You went out and uh, and tortured little animals. You know, you had BB guns and you'd go out and shoot at birds or you would maybe, kill frogs, or whatever. Maybe in your neighborhood. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's as prevalent, and I don't think it's as socially acceptable for little kids now as it was then. And I don't know whether that may ultimately end up being a better world for pets or, or animals. No, I think you're right. I know when I was a kid, there was certainly, I wouldn't say torturing animals, but the idea that you were hunting them, and you weren't really hunting them at all. You know, the kids used to go down the flats with the river where I lived and spear frogs and that sort of thing. I don't know. Do kids still do that? I don't know, and I don't even know where you draw the line. For instance, uh, I have a little kid uh, next door. From time to time, I come out, and he's bashing ants. You know, And, and should you say, don't bash ants, or are you being trivial and, and silly? I, I always know. say, don't bash ants. Well, I do, too. But yeah. uh, on the other hand, I think, man, eh, do you ever I put really on a bleeding heart? I don't know. Uh, yeah, but uh, to me, that's a different response. The, the little kid is not eliminating a problem. The little kid is just killing another life form for sport, and I think that's different. Well, I agree with you, but I guess that's, I'm just thinking, I'm just wondering if that fit into your animal rights thesis here, whether or not you would not put out ant traps because of that. But that's not the reason. You're saying that, therefore, you see, you're acknowledging something that no, I said earlier. I'll tell you what you would put out ant traps, but you wouldn't cruelly go and stomp on ants for, for, for just the fun of it. Yeah, and I wouldn't use, I wouldn't, I wouldn't poison the mice that I have in my house. I catch with high-powered mouse traps because it kills them dead it's instant. like yeah. that. I would never put 
poison out for mice because the poison does terrible things to them before they die. I want that. That's where my line is. That's the line I draw. Yes, well, I will kill the mouse because the mouse and I are competing for whatever it is we're competing for. But I would not be cruel in killing that mouse. Exactly, and that's perfectly moral and 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 just. Not not just, but you know, not 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 immoral in that sense. But you know, I think we're talking about a fringe part of animal ownership and things like that when you're talking about people who are uh, re irresponsible. And I, you know, I I have yeah, no I have no fringe. argument with. Well, it, there might be a lot of cases, but when you compare it to the number of pet owners in in North America, it's astounding when you see how many people own pets. You know. If you think about it, animals that are property, if you think about it, generally live a life of luxury compared to animals in the wild. Indeed, they do. Um, this idea that, you know, animals as property and within human society is terrible for the animal, we would know that because the animal wouldn't put up with it or wouldn't survive in that mm -hmm. situation. But animals as, like cats and dogs as, thrive yes, with human some beings. Animals some, some animals don't. Some animals don't. And we don't keep them. Yeah. We shouldn't. Yeah. And... Uh, so, so the relationship is, is symbiotic. We, we didn't, we, it's not a forced relationship in that sense, as some people would say. So, uh, but if you ever watch some of these, um, you know, wildlife shows and stuff, and you see how animals are killed in the wild, mm -hmm. and, uh, and uh, that is not pleasant. And the way they might live and, and, you know, wander down in the savanna for a week with a leg half chewed off before some other animal finishes yeah. it off. Well, there are no protections and rights for animals, and there's no one to say that if the lion attacks... Uh, the antelope that the antelope can can sue, you know. <laughs> well, that's what rights cruel. would nature imply. Is, uh, there's no cruel, no question. There's about no it. protection for a human either if you walk in front of that lion. Not from the animal. That's true. And between animals and and humans, rights do not exist either way. Let's go to the phones now. Where Gary's waiting to join us. Hi, Gary. Hello. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um. Just on this animal protection um article. Um. I I I'm not talking about conventional animals. Okay. But, like, I enjoy moose and deer hunting. Yes. And I've got a 15-year-old son, and I'm trying to instill on him that I've shot many a deer, mm -hmm. and I've shot many a moose, mm -hmm. that if I shoot the animal and I walk over to it, and I've had a few of them mm -hmm. um, who are, it wasn't a clean kill, yes. if you know what I mean. And, and the animal is lifting its head, it's trying to get up off the ground, and I'm trying to instill on him that you stand back, you put a second bullet in your gun, and you put that animal out of its misery. It's just as fast as you possibly can. Uh, yes, because yes. I don't want to see that animal sit there and suffer. That's right. I, it is my hunt, and I've killed it. Mm -hmm. I know it's going to die, mm -hmm. but he's still got maybe five minutes worth of life in him. Mm -hmm. And if I can put him out of his misery, that animal doesn't have to lay there and suffer. Yeah. And that's all I'm trying to say. I mean, you guys are talking about throwing cats and dogs and all these other things out of windows. Yeah. Well, those people are idiots, but we all know that. Yeah. Um, have a bit of humanity with an animal. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm trying to say. Thank nope. you very much. Thanks, Gary. Bye-bye. Bye -bye. Well, Gary brings up another part of the equation. That is the hunting equation, and that's not, uh, quite frankly, I don't have a problem with responsible hunting if the animal is not endangered and if the hunter has a use for the animal. I don't Personally, I don't see that's any different than a farmer raising chickens or raising cows or raising pigs. One of the things, though, that I have a, a sort of a sense of, and that is that uh, this is an area where I think standards change, and I'll bet you that 100 years from now, uh, there are some things that are taken for granted now as being perfectly humane and everything else will be considered to be appalling and terrible. And then you go back 100 years uh, by the same token, I think that standards are evolving. Whereas for humans, I think standards are, are sort of more fixed, that killing people is a bad idea, you know, 
mm-hmm. from Ot One, uh, and and I don't know what you do about that. It's not to say that things aren't the way they ought to be right now, but but I bet you that they're shifting. And and as we become more urbanized, my sense is that it will become less uh, acceptable to be killing animals. Well, I I agree with your premise about the way we change, but I'm not so sure about your Ot One premise. And I'll, <laughs> I'll give you this example, um, a far-fetched example, albeit. Um, if the province of Quebec was to secede from Canada, form a strong military, and invade Ontario, you would see all kinds of Ontarians, I'm sure, who today abhor the idea of taking a life, um, who are law-abiding citizens to whom murder would be a terrible thing, who would pick up their guns and would go and, quote, defend their homeland and kill every uh, invader they saw. It's not, about, yeah, it's yeah. not about killing. It's about murder. And as long as it's not murder, we'll kill each other till the cows come home. Well, it comes back well to and hopefully sur- they'll come when they decide that it's all the same thing. <laughs> it comes back to the survival principle, and, and which, is, which basically is one of the, the three elements on which all morality and philosophy is based. And, and that's how we define what is good or bad for us. And, and uh, what you're suggesting, Jeff, is that sometime in the future, what, that we won't be able to have beef anymore or have chicken at all? I, I could see not, a change not, because of diet changes, yeah, again, but not so much because of animal rights changes. Well, I'm not talking about a day when you won't be able to do this or that. I'm saying there'll be a day when it'll be less popular and a day when historians will look back and say, I can't believe back in the 20th century they used to just go around killing animals for sport or, uh, you know, that they did it for food when, when they didn't have to and so on. And I'm not criticizing it today. I'm just, I just have a sense that down the road that's not going to be looked on as kindly as now. Um, and what that makes me sort of wonder about is that there are these things that we call moral values um, that we think of as being fairly fixed, and yet... And yet uh, quite different. I think about the idea, for instance, that humanity in terms of uh, sport hunting involves killing the animal as quickly as possible so it doesn't suffer. And yet that strikes me as being the opposite of the kind of debate that we've had around euthanasia for people. It's considered, you know, that you want to extend people's life as much as possible. And the idea of, of killing them as quickly as possible so they don't suffer would be considered to be quite immoral. It's quite well, the opposite. Well, you've certainly hit on a contradiction in the way some people might feel about two different issues. But whenever you run into a contradiction, that tells you that they're wrong on one, one side or the other of the issue. And so what you have to decide is which is the right argument. Is it, is it, is it right or wrong to allow or not allow euthanasia, for example? And I think when you get into that issue, the answer becomes clear and you get back to a level of consistency. But, you know, you talk about fixed moral values throughout history. I don't really think people are going to change in the next 2,000 years very much from what they've been doing for the last 2,000 years. Uh, you know, reality imprints upon us certain moral axioms that we're never going to avoid even, and when we try to avoid it, all that means is that we're going to hurt ourselves and that we're going to do ourselves damage until we recover and figure out, oh, we did this wrong, we've got to do it this way. That's, that's where the, the source of morality comes from. It's imposed upon us by this universe. We can't just do an action and not expect there to be a consequence. And, and human beings can anticipate these things and, and, and project the consequences of their actions into the, into the long, far-flung future, beyond our lives, in fact, which is something animals cannot do and is one of those qualities that distinguishes human beings from animals. Is How do we know that? By their behavior and by their nature, just as we know by human behavior and nature what our nature is. It's, it's something you have to observe, study, analyze, and test against reality. 
It's well, like, I think it's a scientific... The problem with those things are always things that you kind of go, well, what about this, what about that? I think mm -hmm. about elephant, elephants, for instance. Don't they go to, like, cemeteries to die? They're, they're aware of death as a concept. They're aware of sort of going to a common place. And you sort of think, what's that, what's that all about? I, I, they got big brains, too. Yes, and, I, and as I said earlier, I think animals, a lot of them are very intelligent. You get to the higher, the higher levels. I guess you're talking dolphins, chimpanzees, um, elephants to a point, whales. Um, these are extremely intelligent animals. But they cannot transcend that nature of theirs, and or or be anything beyond what they are on that on their level of existence, that, which is which is something quite unique what we, that we apply to what we call sentient life. And if we ever, you but know, that's these, based these on our experience so far, so far, <laughs> yeah. and, and you know, if we ever run into a Star Trek world where we might be the animal, and the Klingons come down here, or or whoever, the Romulans show up, mm -hmm. you know, what kind of relationship are we going to have? How are we going to know? Uh, whether these are, well, they'd, they'd obviously have to be sentient beings because they have a level of technology to get them here, yeah. whatever. But will they regard us as lower? Or well, will they have the same universal morality imposed upon them? And will they look at us sort of and, and have a moral basis? Well, these the, are question interesting. Is, the question is, would we be better than chimpanzees to them? How do we treat chimpanzees today, which are close relatives mm -hmm. of ours? Uh, approach us in intelligence. They don't get quite as far, but they approach us in intelligence. And basically, in the const within the constructs and confines of most societies today, as you uh, made the point earlier, Robert, they are just property to do with as we will. If if aliens came to this to this planet and decided we were that status and that we were in some way important to their survival, survival, and they were really technologically advanced to us, I think we'd be in a lot of trouble. If if they came here and where do your rights go then? Where are your rights? Well, you then? don't have any rights. Your rights. Wait a minute. That's I said a, before we had these. Well, rights. you have natural rights in terms of your survival and your natural uh, environment. That's what they apply to. But if you had a, a a real superior alien being come to this planet who did not acknowledge your rights or saw you as, you know, just as an animal in the way we would regard animals. Mm -hmm. Um, then you wouldn't have any rights in relationship to their society. But what if but they what if they granted you rights? Would you then have them? Yes. Then why can't we grant them to animals? Because animals can't. Ah, come cannot, on, animals, because we could perceive those rights. Mm -hmm. We could understand what they are. All we right. could, we we could don't develop like a sentient <laughs> relationship. <laughs> All right, let's go back to the phones where Michael's waiting. Hi, Michael. Hello. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, I really appreciate um, the uh, conversation that you're having today. I think it's extremely important. Um, I think the crux of the problem is that we are treating non-human animals differently because they are different. And if chickens, for example, could speak English, mm -hmm. and we walked by a, a chicken barn for commercial egg, you know, for the commercial egg industry, yeah. and there is a hundred thousand chickens crammed into that barn to produce eggs for us, yes. which we don't need. It's not a nutritional necessity. Yes. And all of those chickens were screaming to be set free. Mm -hmm. Then we would have an entirely different industry than we have today. Well, you're absolutely right. And the same thing goes with the pig industry. Mm -hmm. Researchers have found that pigs are very smart animals, and if they were all screaming to be set free, to be allowed to engage in the natural behaviors that uh, they want to be able to, excuse me, move. Um, you know, breathe fresh air. Mm -hmm. I uh, work uh, for the Elmer Fair, and uh, an individual came in who said that uh, a couple of years ago he had been injured by ammonia fumes in a pig barn when he was working. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, the pigs 
go through that 24 hours a day mm-hmm. because they're confined to uh, the barn 24 hours a day. And certainly treating pets uh, is important, treating them well, but you know, making the distinction between pets and cows and chickens and pigs, we're all treating animals differently because they aren't human, because they're different from us, not based on their needs. And if we were to stop uh, viewing them as different and simply one of many animals, just as we are, then I think uh, we would uh, certainly, as Gandhi once said, the greatness of a nation and its moral progress can be judged by the way its animals are treated. And I don't think we've... uh, gotten to that moral progress yet. Uh, You won't get an argument from me on that one. Thank you for the call, Michael. Thanks, Jim. Bye-bye. We're going to pause for just a second. We'll be back with more Left, Right, and Center with Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Metz. This is Left, Right, and Center with uh, Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Metz. You got the allergies, too? Oh, it's just cold hanging in. Oh, you got a cold still? Yeah. I had a cold for a while, and I think it's allergies now. It's brutal. Yeah. Anyway, that was Jeff Schlemmer who was so afflicted. So if you see him on the street, you can cross to the other cross. side. And don't let him sneeze on you, whatever you do. We've been talking this morning about animals and animal rights, and Bob Metz kicked it off with some comments about uh, a column that Gord Cudmore had written and one I'd written in the London Free Press. Robert, let's come back to you then, uh, vis-a-vis where we started today. You know, where are we now, 40 minutes later, 45 minutes later? Well, fundamentally, I think we will be making a big mistake if we start trying to protect the animals in, in our society by bestowing upon them animal rights. It's a status they cannot possess in reality. And we'll find all kinds of problems with it. And I think the problems will be bigger than, than what we're... What the problems, problems would there be then? Well, like the ones even if you're going to... Because you're trying to be preventative. And so when you're starting to talk about licensing, you're increasing the cost of having an animal. You're talking about control of owners, owners in a way that is unnecessary. But we do all of that um, with cars. One of the things that I see, though, is that a right is because the cars are broadly defined. If you, if you give a broadly defined right to an animal, you'll find that lawyers will come racing in to, to flesh out that broad right and figure out what it means. So, for instance, how, what right could you give an animal? You couldn't give an animal a right to life, for instance. No. Uh, Our rights no are freedom of association, right freedom free of speech, freedom of, uh, and, and above all, property rights. That's, that's a fundamental right. You have right. my column there somewhere, don't you? Yeah. Let me see that Just for a second. But again, if you said, uh, for instance, an animal has a right to be free of cruelty, how would you define that to be all kinds of instances where people would argue that the way animals are treated is cruel? And we heard, heard the caller just call in, for instance, with the way that some domestic animals are raised, uh, chickens being raised in these uh, huge uh, airless uh, barns. I remember a case one time, <laughs> reading about a case where the fans failed in one of these farms. And they have to ram the air in so that they can breathe. Mm-hmm. And if the fans fail, they all die. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll fix you. <clears throat> Some people would argue that's cruel. Well, well I'm, I want to just read something. This is a little line from my column last Saturday. Um, I ta- it, it says, Perhaps the real problem here is that in spite of our outrage and indignation, we are reluctant to recognize that pets have rights too. Chief among them. Chief among them. The following, not the right to life and some of these other things we've been debating about. Chief among them, the right not to be abused or not to be neglected. Can't animals have the right not to be abused? Uh, that's, the, that's the effect they can have. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that sentiment, but you're not giving the animal a right per se. What you're doing is restricting a human being's right to, to abuse an animal. Mm-hmm. That's where rights always accrue is to the human being. Uh, you know, it's funny, an animal in the wild or a human being in the wild, let's say, has no right. They have a lot of freedom, yeah. but no rights. Well, that's right. If the tiger comes along and wants to eat you, he's going to eat right. you. He doesn't care about your rights. You don't 
you don't start acquiring rights until you have a social system in which you can operate, in which people agree that you have certain freedoms, like your freedom ends where my nose begins. That's yeah. a fundamental premise of all rights everywhere. So that these are things that animals cannot even perceive of. You know, one of the things, um, one of the callers, I think, I don't know if it was Gary or, or, or Michael talking about if animals could talk. Um, animals can't talk. Animals can communicate, uh, they can and communicate. they can have a limited vocabulary, but in the sense that they can, that their their their, their vocabulary as uh, animal vocabulary is very concrete. It relates to the things that they can immediately feel and touch and, and deal with, um, but they cannot conceive of of concepts like rights or concepts like freedom or concepts well, like I, I, even I, politics no, or religion the, 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 the or morality. I can conceive of uh, sadness, you know, this uh, sadness is not a, a, a conception. That's no, a, that's a feeling. Uh, again, a question of sort of yeah, where, where all does animals one end and where does the other begin. They can certainly feel pain. There's no question mm -hmm. about that. Sadness is a pretty pretty uh, tangible thing for a lot of people. How human would we be without those feelings, Bob? Though, if it, if that's we not, we wouldn't be human at all. It's it's part of our humanity, but. As I say, we share a lot of these things with animals, and the, and it's funny that the things people think that we share with animals are really the opposite. Like, like you know, you know, we, when we look at at animal behavior, and 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 we think it's really cute that a mother cat does this with her kittens, or vice versa, and, and we ascribe human uh, qualities to these actions. Yeah, right? when really it's it's we're in that sense on that level we're the animal. Mm -hmm. You know, we're we're not. That's not that's but not a know, human quality. No, that's but, an animal quality. But there's an argument too. Humanity too, is, is realistically, we don't know that much about what they're thinking. We about. don't. You know, you we, we can say that they don't understand things like generosity or they can't plan ahead or stuff. But every time that happens, you can find an example of somebody who says, "Well, I've seen that happen." Sure, you can. Uh, so you take I your dog for a walk. You get a dog accustomed to that, so you want to go for a walk, and the dog goes, "Wow, let's go, let's rock." Well, don't sure. Tell me that that's a very concrete <laughs> thing. But you couldn't say to the dog. Uh, Let's go just discuss epistemology. But or, you don't or, have to. No, the, the point is there are some people who contend that the animal has no cognitive powers at all. I submit to you that that's nonsense. That dog knows when you say, want to go for a yeah. walk, it recognizes the word, it recognizes the past experience, and it recognizes the possibility of a future experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, well. Know, very limited with I don't even I don't know if it can even conceive of the concept future I think for well, an animal if you it said you want to, to, you want to go hour. for a walk and, and it's wagging its tail well, and goes and gets the leash he knows what that means they know what's sure, coming sure absolutely. they do absolutely sometimes all it takes is I know when we had cats you just had to rattle the box mm -hmm. with the food in it and they were right on your tail so fast you, you didn't see them all day yeah. sometimes yeah. it's hard not to get to come back to the idea that the, re the reason we have rights is because we're the dominant species that might makes right right now we happen to be on the top of the pecking order so we get to make the rules and we make rules that serve our interests and, no, and no, for no, some no, people no, they're interested no. in making rules that uh, protect their pets or protect other people's pets because that again serves the interests of the, some the people. The reason we have rights to see bad things happening. It's twofold. One, we're the only species <laughs> capable of perceiving what rights are and number two, rights are essential to our survival and as a society. Three, and number three, although I would put it number one as Jeff said because we're on the top of the pile, try explaining your rights to a hungry tiger. You, there, the, 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 the concept doesn't apply in that well, relationship. I, I'm sorry, but I think it does apply, and I think we come back to our aliens uh, hypothesis The fact again. that nature can, can destroy you does not mean you don't have rights. And na that nature might be a tornado or it might be a tiger. Yeah. They're both part of nature. Uh, rights are strictly an interhuman concept between human says beings. Says you. But that's, that says me. That's, that's what they are. They can't be anything else. Why not? Because in society, we are... A society, a right pertains to freedom of action. 
within a social setting. That's all it is. Beyond no. that, you're correct. We no. have no. Now you're quote talking rights. about a definition that is a definition to which you subscribe. Is that the well, only definition? The only one that I've seen that works using reality as my template. You know, like like to see. You know, you have a right to something. When you say you have a right to property, what that defines is that you, Jim Chapman, have the right to this property, not me, Bob Metz, or Jeff Schlemmer. That's all it says. It's a, it's, it's a clear definition that we have to have. Otherwise, we'd all be fighting over the over this things in common. We'd be, we'd be like wild animals out in the common. No, no, there are societies that don't have those kinds of rights and that don't fight over them. Well, they have when, some when recognition of them. One aspect of a right on is a tribal that uh, a person has agreed to defer to another person when they don't have to, that if there wasn't such thing as a right, then simply it would be the most powerful person would do whatever they wanted all the time. And we've gotten together and agreed, okay, in certain circumstances, I'm not going to step on your toes because I'm going to agree you have a right to do this particular thing, even though I could stop you if I wanted to, uh, or if it annoyed me, but we've agreed between ourselves that we're not going to go there, that basically these are things that are off limits. And, and it is an artificial concept that we've created as humans. It's uh, not artificial, it's abstract, yes. Yeah, Which okay. is, see, abstraction is an area that animals cannot delve not, into. Well, we don't know that either. Well, I think we do. I think, Jim, you have to look at the nature of something. A dog and a cat are always going to be a dog and a cat, and they'll never yeah, transcend that you, until, you, unless you're going to allow billions of years of evolution we're never going to transcend being humans either. You as a cat owner know very well that there's no such thing as a dog or a cat. Dogs and cats are as different from one another as human beings are from one yes, another. In terms of their personalities yeah. and, be, and, and subtle behaviors that you pick up, yes. Yeah. But in terms of their nature, no. But neither are we. we I want to go to Emily and sure. then I'm going to read the, from the dictionary what the dictionary has to say about the word right. Emily joins us. Hi, Emily. Hi. Hi there. Yeah. Uh, I'm... I'm, I'm <laughs> getting kind of worried about the rights of these animals. Mm -hmm. Do we have the right to to uh, neuter these animals and take away their right to have have little ones? Good question. <laughs> See, we, we think it's I, I responsible was ownership. I was listening to your conversation mm -hmm. and wondering when one you would bring that up. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad That's you true. called and did. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Do you think we do have the right to do that? Certainly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that, but, that immediately but, negates but, animal uh, rights. I, I come from I, I I come from a farm. I'm a retired farmer. Yeah. <laughs> we we've had as many as 27 cats in our barns, mm -hmm. and they were great ratters and micers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we didn't neuter them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but if I had a pet cat, I would certainly have it neutered. Yeah. But what's the difference? Mm hmm. What's the difference between a pet cat and a barn cat? One's a working cat, and one's a pet cat. No, no. One's your at it's your attitude. It's that's my attitude. That's right. That's, that's right. right. But. I, I, just, I, I wonder what the world would be like right now if, every time you say, get your animal neutered, get your animal neutered, you know, get these dogs neutered, get these cats neutered. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, there are people if, we who didn't, don't... if we didn't have some kind of a control like yeah. that, what would it be like? Well, there are people who don't think we should be doing that, for sure. I, I know there are. Sure. Emily, thanks that. for your call today. I appreciate hearing from you. Okay. Take Bye. care. I come back to what I said, though, Bob, that uh, I said, I've talked about rights the right not to be abused, the right not to be neglected. However, let me go back. I'm going to go back to the dictionary because you're talking about rights or this and rights or that. There's some very interesting definitions of right here in the dictionary. Uh, a right can be a just claim. I have a right. Mm -hmm. I have a just claim. As a dog, yeah. I have a just claim on, on not being no, abused. No, as a dog, you don't have a just claim Why? on anything. It doesn't say that here. Uh, yes, it, it does. does. You no, know, sir, it does not. Uh, and what else do I have a right to? Um... I have a, a right can be a fair treatment or justice. That's a right, according mm -hmm. to the dictionary. All right. What else do we have here? But how do you define fair treatment? 
Well, we have to go and look up fair and, and then treatment, yeah, we? and then you'll find that you that those words are interpreted. You know, you can put different interpretations well, I'll, I'll on those stick words with, I'll too. I'll stick with definition. So you have to come back to context and application of, of what a right is. Well, let's go to number, definition number one. That which is right, which I would suggest to you is subject to interpretation within the context of a society, which suggests to me that society grants the right, which suggests to me that the society could grant the right to an animal or a rock if society so chose. It could do anything it wants in law and legally, but that does not make it so. You can give, you can put in legislation that all animals have rights, but those animals don't know about that. And, and in order to exercise your rights you've got to know that you have them you have to know that there's a responsibility attached to the right and that if you don't have if you don't exercise your responsibility that you're we're going to come down on you we can't do that with animals well, we've got all yeah. kinds of rights in society that uh, the people don't necessarily know they have for instance we have uh, 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 refugees that come to Canada they may not know about what what all the rules are they know broadly that they hope they get to stay but are defined by statutes and the statutes say this that and the other thing and whether you know it or not you're protected by it if it, if well, what responsibilities do we have in this country for, to, for our well, what responsibility do you have for the rights that you have in Canada? Well, the main right is that, and why we have governments and why we institute rights. I, I don't. First of all, I disagree with Jeff that we, or and you on the idea we get these rights handed to us by governments. Governments either well, acknowledge no, no, our no, rights and no, protect sir. them. They codify. I would say they, they codify them. them. Yeah. They codify them. Yeah. Okay, I'll agree with that. But sometimes they make mistakes yeah, and ascribe rights oh, yeah. to to things that don't have them, and vice versa, or rights that don't exist. Um, but primarily, our, our number one responsibility in terms of rights is not to initiate force against one another in a, in, a, in a peaceful society. Now, sure, we could have a society where the tough guy wins, where the bully always wins, but that society will not survive and will not advance and will not prosper. That's the price of living in a society like that. Well, Jim, so we have not to extend have a, that to, to animals then as well, and say because that animals, animals have the right for value. us not to advance force against them See, either. We we value our freedom because we know that in a free society every person can advance and if we fail to, to lose sight of that value we're going to lose sight of our rights as well because that's basically what they're based on. Yeah, but we're not talking about taking and away rights, we're talking about extending them to animals as well and saying that realistically no, there's I don't no think we're talking about rights difference at all. between animals See, and human beings, we're all just uh, different parts of the, of the food chain. Look, look I and, think we're uh, all agreed here that no one, quote, has a right to be cruel to an animal, but that's different than saying animals have rights. They don't have rights, but that doesn't mean that you have a right to be cruel the to an animal. Because right children don't animal have children right. don't have rights either, in the sense that mm -hmm. I'm talking about, yeah. or codified rights. That's a big lack in our whole legal system. But they have a certain status, and you can't be uh, cruel to your children in the same way you can't be cruel to animals. To me, so, it's, it's sort of a slippery slope, though, that you look at something like, uh, for instance, uh, if you say it's it's not cruel to a, to a wild animal to kill it if you kill it as quickly and painlessly as you can and yet probably people would say it would be cruel to a to a pet a domestic pet to do exactly the same thing uh, to except me that, except that people do that with regularity you take your pet to the vet the vet says the poor animal is ill beyond hope of redemption there's nothing we can do to treat the animal what if they said there's nothing wrong with this animal and you say yeah but i'd just like to kill it but i'll kill it as painlessly as possible well, um, well you, you can do that? do that what do you do well, well that's what that's what I, sometimes I wouldn't like humane that. I society would cruel, and a lot of groups do yeah, but doesn't that sound cruel? It's cruel to me. You yeah, know, that's exactly the same yeah. thing. You're doing exactly the same thing you're doing to that wild I don't think, it, 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 if you're asking, it, come back to my opinion, I don't think that you do have the right to do that. If you do not want that animal anymore, then you should 
of furthering your responsibility to of pet ownership, you should find a home for the animal. I don't think that euthanasia should be an alter, uh, an alternative to inconvenience. So you're saying that all the animals that, that are euthanized by uh, animal societies in cities all across North America are, are doing something immoral by all, euthanizing no, those talking, animals. I'm talking about people who took on the responsibility voluntarily. I agree. Custodians of I those agree animals. wholeheartedly, yes. yes. People at an animal shelter is a different situation. Yes. There are people who are there to meet a terrible need that wouldn't be there in the first place. And it's a matter of safety and health as well. If all those animals were running around in an urban area, mm -hmm. you know. Well, I don't know if we solved anything today, but I <laughs> hope we raised the consciousness a little bit that uh, I think we all are agreed, and I hope it's uh, reflective of the society that uh, animals, if they do not have rights in Bob's sense, they certainly, we should be ensure, we should be sure, and we should ensure that humans understand that our rights do not extend to the abuse of animals. So I don't know how Excellent. exactly we do that better Break than we've done it now. Make it a big law. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that just the way, though? These guys spend uh, they spend years in Ottawa and uh, and in Toronto fiddling around trying to come up with laws that work. And you take any three intelligent, modestly intelligent people, two intelligent people, and one modestly intelligent person, um, and sit them around a table for an hour, and you can usually come up with some kind of an answer to most of our problems. Why does it take so long in Ottawa and Toronto? What happens up there? I don't Too know. many people there. It must be what it is. We work better with smaller communities than large ones. Thank you, gentlemen. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Jeff and Bob with us regularly on Left, Right, and Center on Wednesdays from 11 until 12.